0: This is the Pittsburgh City Cast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers.
1: Week off for vacation meant a week off for me from gambling. Well, almost close. I almost made it. One or two bets here and there, but I reimmersed yesterday, and what a treat. What a treat to stumble into. My first day back, and I've got six and a half as the over-under on strikeouts from Sandy Alcantara against the Pirates. That's like stealing. You wound up with 10. He strikes out the side in the first inning. That was easy street, folks. Although the Marlins' bullpen did make it hard to collect on the win at minus 180, but we got there. Extra innings, but we got there. The bullpen blew it for the over-under individual run line for the Pirates, which I had under 2.5, and it was sitting there all game. But the bullpen allowed the Pirates to come back in the ninth, so two for three on that one. But a productive return for me, Tim Benz. The Pittsburgh CityCast back at it after a week off, up and down the East Coast. We are brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com. Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook serving up some big wins with our new weekly profit boosts on all tennis wagers. Visit BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers Sportsbook app every Wednesday to receive a twenty percent profit boost on any tennis wager. And now you can even stream your favorite tennis players right from the BetRivers app. Heat up your summer with BetRivers Sportsbook app. It's a whole new game presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be twenty-one. Gambling problem? Call one-eight hundred Gambler. As for the Pirates today, they're on the road in Chicago. Pirates have a short two-game series against the Cubs today and tomorrow. They're coming into Wrigley Field 40 and 56. That's a game and a half in front of Chicago. 30 and 57, excuse me, 38 and 57 for third place in the National League Central. The Cubs, Reds, and Nationals, the only teams in the NL with worse records than the Pirates. The Bucks are catching the Cubs, though, on a bit of an uptick. They just completed a three game sweep of the Phillies. They've won four in a row overall. Ian Hap, Mount Lebanon's Ian Hap. 4 of 6 in the first game of that series against Philadelphia. The Cubs have been really poor at Wrigley so far this year. They're 18 and 32 at home. Only the Nationals are worse at home so far this year at 15 and 36. The Pirates start JT BruBaker in game 1 of the series followed by Bryce Wilson in game 2. It looks like it's going to be Adrian Sampson on Monday and Keegan Thompson on Tuesday for the Cubs. The Pirates are getting 128 straight up. They're at minus 167 on the run line, getting a run and a half. I like both, honestly, but I say go ahead and play the Pirates straight today and get the bigger return, then go with the Cubs and Thompson tomorrow. He's 2-1 and one against the Pirates this year, 15 total innings in those three starts and just one earned run allowed. Now, Brubaker today against the Cubs, one really good start against Chicago this year, no earned runs in six innings against the Cubs on June 20th. One bad start, six runs allowed in five and two-thirds on May the 17th. And then back in April, he faced them and allowed one earned run in three innings pitched on April the 24th. So a mixed bag, but we'll go with Brubaker and the Bucs today. He was really good against Miami on Wednesday the 13th in his last start. Uh, He had no earned runs, nine Ks against two walks and seven innings pitched. Mentioned that Samson is pitching for Chicago, 334 ERA and five starts for the Cubbies. As for Daniel Vogelbach, he played his first game with the Mets after a trade from the Pirates, went one for three with a walk, two strikeouts, a run scored as part of an 8-5 victory over the San Diego Padres. The Mets got the win against former Bucco Joe Musgrove. All of a sudden, Musgrove, struggling, allowed four earned runs in five and a third innings to absorb the loss. Three runs were courtesy of Pete Alonzo's 25th home run of the season. After going 8-0 with an ERA of 159 through June 16th, Musgrove has now lost three of his last five starts. His ERA is up to 263, so keep that in mind the next time he pitches, if you're going to bet. The Mets are off today, but give me the Padres today. Drew Hutchinson, well, he's pitching for the Tigers. That means I'm going with San Diego at minus 162. If you want a good parlay for tonight, the Dodgers, winners of eight in a row, Tony Gonsolin at 11 and 0 against the horrid Washington Nationals. They're at minus 135. They're at minus 315. The Astros, winners of five in a row, Jake Odorizzi on the mound against the A's. Houston's at minus 235. Adam Aller with a ERA. What? That's about. Eight and a half pitching for Oakland. I like the Astros and the over there. The over-under is only eight. Then it's the Phillies coming off a sweep at the hands of the Cubs. They have to play the Braves and Max Fried with 10 wins under his belt. Give me the Braves as the third team in that parlay. So Astros, Braves, Dodgers to win on a three-team ticket pays off at plus 196. So a $50 bet gets you 98 and change back. And take the Astros and the A's and the over. Those are my bets today. And I'm leading Padres and Pirates as well. As for training camp, the Steelers report to St. Vincent College tomorrow. They are still plus 450 to make it as a wild card at Bit Rivers. That's good kickback for something I think is a 50-50 proposition. But they still don't make the top three wild card slots in my opinion. So I don't love the bet, but I do like the payout. They're at plus 700 to win the North. I love the Bengals. They're at plus 190 to win the division. T.J. Watt plus 500 to lead the NFL in sacks if he stays healthy. Yes, I could see that happening again. Actually, he wasn't healthy for a lot of last year, and he still did it. So that might be wise investment. I want to start with the pass rush, though, because ESPN did something that caught my eye. ESPN.com recently released a list of every team's greatest strength by position group, and there's a telling admission in here about the Steelers. It's hard to find a single spot on the depth chart without significant questions, and that was underscored by what ESPN.com did. The Football Outsiders compilation, which was revealed on Friday, was titled, The Best Position Group for All 32 Teams, Strongest Units, and top depth charts for 2022. As examples, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins highlighted as wide receivers for the Bengals. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson singled out in Cleveland as a running back group. Uh, The Ravens, their batch of players at safeties, Chuck Clark, Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams, they get the nod in Baltimore. When they got to the Steelers, though, they admitted some massaging needed to be done. Instead of naming a position group, ESPN.com just said pass rush. And uh, this is is their explanation here. I'll give you the quote. It's a bit of a cheat since the pass rush in Pittsburgh incorporated both edge rusher linebackers like TJ Watt and down linemen like Cameron Hayward. We list the pass rush here for the Steelers thanks largely to the brilliance of those two players. Watt and Hayward combined for 31.5 sacks, 21 hits, and 61 hurries in 2021 well there's nothing to argue with there the Steelers led the NFL in sacks for the fifth straight year and as football outsiders points out they've been first or second in adjusted sack rate each of those seasons as well but they even admitted though it's a cheat the fact that those two were put on the list together in kind of one position and that this position grouping thing was being manipulated for the Steelers' entry by fudging Watt and Hayward into the same position group. That's indicative of a concern, I think, for Mike Tomlin and the rest of the coaching staff. Forget questions about having enough depth on this team. Is there enough front-line talent on the team? Beyond Watt and Hayward and Mickey Fitzpatrick in safety, the Steelers' cupboard isn't exactly stocked with all pro talent. For instance, ESPN.com could have just said defensive line for the Steelers' top position group. After all, Hayward is there. Chris Wormley had a career-high seven sacks a season ago. And Tyson Alualu is an above-average player who gives quality snaps at both end and nose tackle. However, with Stephon Tuitt retiring, the Steelers are putting a lot of eggs in Larry Oganjobi's basket coming off a significant foot injury not to mention those who absorbed the snaps for Tuit and Alualu during their 2021 injuries were part of a defensive front that yielded an NFL-worst 146.1 yards per game on the ground. Because of Watt, the site could have simply said linebacker or outside linebacker, but opposite Watt, Alex Highsmith was decent, not great, in 2021, and that's something... Even Highsmith himself allowed in critiquing his own play during minicamp. Miles Jack should be an upgrade over Joe Schobert. How much of one? Well, that needs to be seen. And Devin Bush is coming off a poor 2021 trying to recover from a 2020 knee injury. In the secondary after Fitzpatrick, well, it's largely made up of individuals known more for their versatility and solid play off the bench in specific roles than playmaking capability as starters. On offense, the perceived starting quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, is taking over after a year as a backup in Buffalo. He bypassed the second-string guy in Mason Rudolph, who was beaten out for playing time by Devlin Duck Hodges once, and first-round pick, Kenny Pickett, may not even be active on game days to start the year. Najee Harris, Pat Friermuth are the only weapons worth mentioning at running back and tight end. The offensive line should be better than a year ago, but aside from James Daniels at guard, there doesn't appear to be a player with Pro Bowl aspirations on the horizon. As for the wide receivers, there's plenty of talent within the group of wideouts, but it's unclear if it's going to manifest at all. George Pickens and Calvin Austin III are intriguing draft picks. Deontay Johnson was a Pro Bowl replacement in 2021, Then there's Chase Claypool. He talks a big game, but over his first two seasons, hasn't had enough big games to talk as big as he does. So I get where the folks at ESPN were coming from in their explanation about the Steelers. The pass rush as a collective, it's flashy and talented. After them, though, the roster is chock full of youthful questions and potential that is yet to be honed, and average players needing to make above-average leaps in terms of consistent contributions. Because of those reasons, it's no wonder so many pundits nationally are expecting the Steelers to go through a sixth straight season without a playoff victory. The gambling lines are leaning that way. Minus 360 against making the playoffs, the Steelers, in 2022 right now at Bet Rivers. All right, uh, when we come back, stick around. Just 30 seconds away from another edition of Madden Monday. After a week off, we touch base with Mark Madden from 1059 The X and, of course, Trib Live, where you can read them four times a week. You can hear the podcast posted there as well weekly at Trib Live. That's coming up next, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh Must-be-21 gambling problem. Call (laughs) 1-800-GAMBLER. After a week off, Madden Monday returns, Tim Benz and Mark Madden from 105.9 The X. You can read them four times a week in Trib Live as well. The award-winning Madden Monday podcast. Glad you're back with us. And a lot has happened since we took the week off, uh, at least based on what I was able to glean listening to Mark's show and following Twitter conversations with the Pittsburgh sports world as I was hopping all over the East Coast. Mark, I'm trying to figure out, or at least I was trying to figure out while I was gone, Who got thrown under the bus more, Kevin Colbert by Ben Roethlisberger or Mark Whipple by Pat Narduzzi?
0: Well, I didn't make anything bad out of the uh, revelation by Ben Roethlisberger that he thinks Colbert wanted him out and Tomlin was ambivalent and Art Rooney wanted him to play. Uh, All this applying to last season. I was more interested that Ben thinks he could still be playing when I think 80% of what happened last season, Ben's final season, indicates he shouldn't have even played then uh he was pretty bad except for the fourth quarter but then again he won six games with fourth quarter comebacks and another in overtime so you can't discount that aura but I I always knew that one had been out one was ambivalent one wanted him to stay I had a hunch it was Colbert Tomlin and Rooney in that order but didn't know for sure so now we just know for sure what we already kind of knew I don't think that Ben, you know, said that Colbert's mother wore army boots, nor did Colbert act uh, untoward in, in thinking Ben shouldn't play last season. That's what general managers do. They evaluate. So that stuff uh, didn't throw me for loop at all. The stuff with uh, Narduzzi and, and Whipple showed what, again, again, just what a horse's ass Narduzzi is. Because Whipple did a great job putting that offense together and executing the game plan. And, they finished, what, fourth in the country in scoring average, and Pickett was a Heisman Trophy finalist, and Addison was the Blitnikoff Award winner. I don't know how you say that you've gotten better guys in the position of offensive coordinator, and uh, Brennan Marion, the wide receivers coach, he threw him under the bus too. I think that uh, Mark Whipple was more responsible for Pitt's success last year than Pat Narduzzi was. Where that comes from, whether it's jealousy that Whipple got the credit he did or Angler because Whipple left. And to my understanding, Whipple mostly left because he couldn't stand working with Narduzzi. So I just thought Narduzzi came up as terribly petty. Tom Petty. And uh, Narduzzi's one of those guys, the more big time he gets, the more small time he acts.
1: And I think there's sort of a small time element that goes along with his reaction to Mark. I mean, he just seems so chapped, so burned, that Canada went to LSU and Whipple ended up going to, what, Nebraska? Those are bigger programs, and he just doesn't see Pitt as being a lesser program than Nebraska or LSU, but the people who took the job certainly do. Well, he's wrong. Pitt
0: is the lesser program. I was saying that specifically, the never-ending comparison between Pitt and Penn State. I think Pitt had a marginally better team this past year. I think if the teams play and it's at Penn State, Penn State has a good chance to win. Pitt probably wins at Pitt. But uh, the bottom line is Pitt may have had a better team this past year, but Penn State still has a better program. And, and there's a difference between better team one year, better program, period. So I think that, um, that uh, again, uh, Narduzzi was just out of line. I, I used to go to Pitt games, Tim, three or four times a year. I followed the program very closely. The minute he took over and I figured out what kind of a guy he was and the things he said and the way he did frequently, throw people under the bus. I just stopped following Pitt, and I I won't again until he's gone.
1: Do you really think Art wanted Ben to play for football reasons, or did Art just want what they ended up getting, which was the swan song farewell after a win against the Browns at Heinz Field?
0: Uh, I, I think he wanted to play, period. I, I think if Art had his way, Ben might still be playing. But uh, I don't think he's as convinced as he was last year. Uh, no, cause you, I don't think Art, you, there's no way to anticipate the swan song Ben had. So, no, I, I don't think Art had it pegged. Uh, well, all right, let pegged, me let me
1: phrase that a little bit differently. Did he just want to avoid having a rough exit with Ben then?
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, I think they've had kind of a rough exit anyway. Well, that's what I'm know, saying, because
1: now ben, ben has prevented that from happening,
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah, Ben, ben, ben was always going to think he should keep playing. Okay, whenever Ben retired, Ben could have played till he was 53 and gone 0-17 his last season, and he would have still thought he should play the next year. So uh, the rough ending, I mean, to what degree it was rough, but it was never going to be totally avoided.
1: He talks about his arm still feeling pretty good, but you know we can debate what his arm strength was by the end of his last season. I don't think that's what people think of as a reason why he couldn't keep playing. It's not the arm, it's the lack of mobility to the degree that they couldn't scheme 60% of what Matt Canada wanted to do. I'll be
0: blunt, Tim. I think there are no shortage of reasons why Ben shouldn't have played. Uh, now, as far as the Canada offense being shortchanged by Ben's lack of mobility and whatnot, we'll see, won't we? I mean, I expect yeah. some revolutionary things from that offense because now there's nothing holding back its full execution, correct?
1: Exactly, which is part of the reason why I'm really interested to see... How they handle the quarterbacks, not so much from the standpoint of drama like a quarterback competition. I think it's going to be Trubisky. I'm, I'm nearly convinced it's going to be Trubisky unless he really stinks and blows. Oh, it.
0: Tim, I'm 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 convinced past that. Uh, Pickett's going to be the third string guy to open the season and be inactive on game days. I have no doubt about that. That was the plan for Ben in 04 till. Batch and Maddox got hurt.
1: Do they take advantage of this being Pickett's first camp? Do they take advantage of now what they perceive to be a starter that they have picked to give Pickett lots of time in the preseason? I mean, like, I, I'm curious as to how much then they avoid any sort of uh, perceived quarterback contest if Pickett were to play well and at least outperform Mason Rudolph to make himself the it, number it, 2. It,
0: it doesn't matter at all. At the beginning of the season, it will be Trubisky 1, Rudolph 2, uh, Pickett three, no matter what. And I don't think Pickett's going to get all that many snaps or that much game time in the preseason.
1: Even if there's a team or two out there that gets a quarterback injured that might be interested in trading a pick for Rudolph?
0: I don't think they're interested in trading Rudolph. I think they see Rudolph as the number two.
1: Wow. That really pulls the plug on any... Oh, Tim,
0: I disagree with all of this. Mm-hmm. I said when they drafted Pickett, if they're drafting Pickett, he should start. And if, since I knew they wouldn't, I don't think he should have been drafted. But but I have no, I mean, I disagree with all of it, but I could see it all coming too.
1: That's exactly what I wrote in the Trib a couple weeks ago, which is, you know, we can still say it's a good pick that they got Kenny Pickett that, you know, they took a franchise quarterback that when they had the opportunity to do so, if that was their opinion, but Stop with the whole, he's the most cable-ready quarterback in the draft routine then, if you're just going to incubate him. Which was the only reason to take him. The only reason to take him because he could play right away. It really does render moot a lot of the rationale for why you did what you did.
0: Yeah, it sucks is what it does. I mean, it was, again, the the contradictory nature of the whole thing. If you're going to draft him, play him. If you're not going to play him, don't draft him. And they drafted him and they're not going to play him.
1: Can they put the genie back in the bottle when it comes to, you know, the magic and aura of Latrobe and St. Vincent and all that, they used to wallow in that so much. Can that really wash with the players now that they've had training camp for two years at Heinz Field?
0: Is Sharky's open?
1: <laughs> Cause the writers will write it that way. Is that what you mean?
0: Well, I mean, Sharky's, although I hear about Dino's, I haven't been to Dino's and I can't remember the last time I've been doing my show from Sharky's on Tuesday, the second from three till six. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the magic is in the fans and the way they go there with their coolers and their lawn chairs. I think that's where the magic lies. I don't think the players really much figure into it.
1: You're probably right about that. I just want to... They seem to play along, the players did, before there was ever a break in it. And now that they've had a two-year break, I wonder if there's going to be some grousing over how it is.
0: There will be, but I don't think that's up to them either.
1: There's a lack of position battle. So really, <laughs> kind of, I think, glaring there's lack... One. Yeah, the guard. Left guard. Um, aside from that, there's a glaring lack of position battles for a team, Mark, that's very much in the playoff bubble. Shouldn't they have more position battles?
0: You have to have resources to have position battles. <laughs> you, you know, like, for example, I would love to see a position battle between Alex Highsmith and somebody, because I just don't think Alex Highsmith is that good. Unfortunately, uh, there's no one to battle him.
1: Or Chuk for and Dan Moore and a third guy. Or, you know, a, a better corner than Akella Witherspoon or Levi Wallace.
0: Better safety than Terrell Edmonds, although I, I think he's actually one of the lesser of their problems on defense.
1: Yeah, I think he's a known commodity. You know what you're going to get. He is what he is.
0: Plays okay alongside Minka, too.
1: Yeah, he does kind of do the caddy thing that Ryan Clark did for Troy Palomalu. There's an element of yes. that there.
0: Yes, And there not, ain't nothing wrong with that, although I still don't think with their inside linebackers being as weak as they are, that Minka is going to have the freedom to roam. I think he's still going to play like a... Like like an inside back run a lot of, on a lot of downs.
1: Mark, we haven't spoken for a week since the Penguins situation uh, developed and Mike Matheson went and Petrie's there. Uh, how, now that you've got some distance on it, what do you think about what the Penguins did?
0: Oh, I think Petrie's a real good defenseman. You know, he's thirty five, but I think he's really good, and I think that you know you're going to get a situation where him and Letang. Don't quite alternate, but I think each one will play, like, what, 22, 23 minutes a game. They'll just, you know, use those two. And, uh, boy, I'm freezing on the guy from Tampa, Tim. Help me out.
1: Oh, Ruda. Jan Ruda.
0: Yeah, Ruda. I mean, you know, I, I wonder if they're going to be tempted to play him on his offside, which he can do to partner with Petrie and, you know, give a true top four feel to it. But uh, I-, I wouldn't do that. I'd stick with the lefty righty because that's what you've always been sold on if you're mike sullivan but i i think it's a pretty decent defense of course especially on the right side um you're you're gonna gamble with poj and potentially ty smith depending on how it shakes down but i i think that's good i mean i think they use the same defensemen who have never won a playoff round or well never is a long time but dating back to 2018 anyway i i I think it's time for a change
1: can they still play with the speed that sullivan wants to play
0: well no but they're going to try.
1: I was wondering if there's an element, especially with Matheson, of taking away the toys from Sullivan and making him change his approach.
0: No, that's not at all the approach. Petrie's pretty active, too. He can activate as well, and he will.
1: Do you think they tried to get rid of Pedersen and just didn't find a taker and decided to make the move with Matheson instead?
0: Do I think? I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, and uh Heck still didn't want to trade Matheson, because that, that was the only deal Montreal would make. Um... Uh, I still think they need to get rid of Pedersen, although that carries a bad context. I think Pedersen's a good NHL defenseman. I think he's a top four with the roster as currently assembled, uh, but he's overpaid. You know, at $4.025 I think, and I would rather gamble with POJ and Ty Smith playing behind Dumoulin.
1: Did they stagnate? Did they improve, or did they backslide the Penguins, do you think?
0: They improved marginally. I mean, I still think they're in trouble in the bottom four bottom six at wing mm-hmm. you know it still worries me they're gonna you know recycle Josh Archibald instead of ever giving Drew O'Connor a chance but uh you know I I think the team's marginally better than last season I I think it's a definite playoff team
1: is it definite because nobody else closed the gap from nine to eight
0: Ottawa closed the gap a little bit mm-hmm. I, I think New Jersey's probably gonna wind up having closed the gap a little bit Columbus too but uh, but I I feel like the Penguins are a definite playoff team now, now now when you talk about can they win around, I think that's up to the core performing better. People talk about the goaltending issues, in particular the last two playoff eliminations. But but again, and I, I think I've said this on the podcast, I just laugh that uh, we talk about how bad Jari was against the Islanders two years ago, and then boy, if only Jari could have played this past year. But it's the same guy. Make up your mind. You can't use the same guy for two diametrically opposed excuses. Instead you should just conclude that what could have happened did which is the biggest sports truism of all time and hope that jari plays better this year but i still think the biggest factor is that the, the guys in the core aren't taking over playoff series i don't think any one of them has had a truly outstanding playoff series since sid in the seventeen final against nashville although i do think sid was on his way to having that kind of series against the rangers before he got bopped in the head by truba
1: you know who else pittsburgh fans apply that two-way mentality to it's matt canada or maybe better said it's mitch trubisky because we love to say well mitch trubisky got ruined in chicago because he had bad coaching and then he's he's gonna be coached by matt canada and we've done nothing but rip matt canada since he got the job as a coordinator so which one is it he's the same guy there too
0: well we're not allowed to blame tomlin
1: that's for sure right exactly
0: okay and uh And no matter how the Steelers do, Trubisky's going to get blamed. And I think he'll do well. I think the defense is going to soil the bed, but uh, won't get blamed because, hey, Steeler defense, Steel Curtain, mean Joe Green, blah, blah, blah. Tim, this defense has three great players on it. It has more really bad players on it.
1: Interesting you bring that up because I looked at the ESPN.com list that they put out because that's what you do in July. You do nothing but lists. And they took every team in the NFL and said, this is their best unit. And they admitted when they wrote about the Steelers, we're cheating with this, but and they said pass rusher because you got Hayward and you got Watt, but it's one defensive lineman. It's one outside linebacker. And then, like you said, the third really good guy is Mike Fitzpatrick. Aside from that, everybody else is at best case above average.
0: Tim, who's above average?
1: Joby's above average. We I hope, think In uh, this
0: context, I don't think there's one other player on the defense besides the big three, besides Watt Hayward and Minka, that is for sure going to have an above average season.
1: For sure, no. I would give above average potential to at least Joby and Miles Jack.
0: Yeah, and I think you know what you're going to get with Aulahu. Yeah, he's
1: above average.
0: Well, no, he's not. He's average. He's a good average, but he's average.
1: What would you say about Edmonds? Does he fall below average then?
0: Average. I mean, what's it say about Cam Sutton when every cornerback who started outside has faded out of the picture and he's still going to be the nickel?
1: I think they should have known that when they decided to extend him because that's always what he was good at. Well,
0: maybe they did because having a good nickel's valuable. I'm, I remember once in a while, Tim, when they'd always talk about moving to Shea Thompson outside. Mm-hmm. And they would always wind up moving him back to nickel, moving him back inside, because that's what he's good at. There's nothing wrong with being good at that, because what was it? The Steelers were in sub packages last year on defense. If I'm not mistaken, 70-something percent of the time, right?
1: That's why there is an element of truth to what uh, ESPN.com said about pass rushing being their strongest attribute, because they are in sub, and Hayward and Watt do get after the quarterback. But with T.J. Watt either going out or being injured as often as he has been, you need something better than just Alex Highsmith on the other side, and they don't have it right now.
0: You made me predict him. I would say T.J. Watt will miss significant time this year because it's just due to happen. It, you know, his brother's body broke down at about this stage in his career. It's going to happen with T.J. as well. You watch.
1: You know, what else I'm worried about in that context too is Najee Harris. I mean, 381 touches without significant injury—that's like, you know, beating the house all the time in Vegas. I don't know how they got away with that. They're not going to get away with that again this year.
0: Well, I liked what he said recently about the 500 touches. If it took 500 touches to win, he,
1: he would do it.
0: And I said to myself, boy, Najee, you care about them a lot more than they care about
1: you. <laughs> Mark, it looks like the deconstruction of the Pirates has begun. Daniel Vogelbach is now a Met. Uh, Quintana, I'm sure, will be the next to go. Uh, what'd you make of their draft, by the way? That jumped out to me how quickly everybody's talking about the next shortstop before O'Neal Cruz is even done with his first season.
0: Well, that tells me one of two things will happen, that O'Neal Cruz won't be playing shortstop much longer, and that him and, uh, what's the guy's name, Tamar Johnson? Uh, They'll never play on the same team.
1: No, they won't, because this isn't about him displacing Cruz. This is about him being the next hype machine being ready to replace Cruz.
0: Tim, did you know that uh, O'Neill Cruz has struck out as many times this season already as Barry Bonds did in all of 2004?
1: Yeah, but how was his bat speed when he was striking out, though, Mark? I'm sure it was, it was stunning.
0: Well, Barry's bat speed wasn't much when he walked. I think it was 232 times. <laughs> it, it amazes me that, we, that the, the, the yokels, the marks write off the importance of Cruz not walking. That, that dumbfounds me, because they want him to be good, and they will rate him as good no matter how bad he is.
1: It's willing dismissal of their own evidence that they used to advance for what was an important stat, and now they're tamping it down. And they're also propping up the, vo, you know, the exit velocity stuff to the point that they're making it completely meaningless if it wasn't before.
0: Well, there are certain athletes in Pittsburgh, and I suspect it's like this in every city, but the fans decide they like him, and then they evaluate what they do with the eye toward thinking they're good. Like with, with, with O'Neal Cruz, they evaluate all the miles per hour stuff, even though that doesn't mean bupkis. Minka Fitzpatrick's like that too. Minka Fitzpatrick was very average last year. And some say that's because the scheme that he had to, you know, dumb down his game. Cause the, you know, for example, the inside backers weren't very good, but he still, you know, went from first team all pro to first team all pro to not making any all pro. But people say, oh, no, that's not Minka's fault. He was great, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't great. He just wasn't. But they want him to be great.
1: Perfect example of what you're talking about is O'Neill Cruz hits this home run today off of a 99-mile-an-hour pitch. And all the stack geeks are going crazy because it's the second fastest home run ever hit uh, against a pitch of that velocity. And the guy who hit the, the fastest pitch on a 100-mile-an-hour fastball was Jordan Luplo. So, like, if he's number one, how important is that stat really then?
0: Well, why do I care about that? I mean, it, right. it, do, do, do they get extra points for it? Do they get a, a victory? <laughs> I mean, like, it just—it just it just doesn't matter. That stuff doesn't matter at all, even a little bit. I'd rather he hit three home runs off the slowest pitches ever.
1: Uh, Mark, I was in Lake Placid again for the second summer in a row, and I walked away with what now I I deem to be a very prized possession. I know you talked about your Clemente memorabilia. I got a Mike Arruzzioni shot glass, and the picture on the shot glass is the shot that Arruzzioni took to beat the Russians. It's a shot of the shot every time I take a shot. How am I not going to buy that?
0: Yeah, Tim, try selling that for 500 bucks, like I just did my Clemente autographed hat.
1: $500? <laughs> Is that what you got for it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I got offered that because somebody heard me talk about it on the show. Yeah. Uh, and I called a memorabilia dealer just to make sure I wasn't ripping myself off. But he said it's actually a pretty good price. Because don't forget, it's not a game-worn hat. It's a 1971 fan hat. Like gold hat, black brim. And it's autographed on the brim by Clemente and Dave Justy, who was their closer back then. And uh, you know, when you have a double autograph and the, and the one autograph's lesser, it devalues it.
1: Got it. So if it had just been Clemente, you could have gotten a grand maybe.
0: Would have been Clemente? I probably could have got like 1,200 bucks for it. I, 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 I gotta add though, uh, I have like 10 signed photos of Clemente. you know, just Clemente that uh, they're worth like 1400 bucks each probably.
1: 1400 a piece. So you're going to sell them all at once. You're going to kind of piecemeal them out.
0: Well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to sell. I have one autograph. I wrote to Clemente as a kid and he, he sent me a picture back. That's personalized to me. actually sent me a baseball card poster back. So I'll keep that. Uh, but the, the other stuff, I, I have baseball signed by Clemente too. Although none with just Clemente.
1: Mark, we won the bronze medal for the Madden Monday podcast from, let me see if I've got this here. The North American digital media awards Is that sort of like the exit velocity equivalent of podcasting?
0: That's the, I don't give a rat's ass about none of that (laughs) equivalent of podcasting.
1: I just want to know who won gold and silver and what they did to be better than us. That's all I care about.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to investigate that. (laughs) I I just, Tim, I'm like, I'm a lot closer to the end than the middle. I, I don't care. Just, just, you know. Just uh,
1: just get as much for the Clemente merchandise as you can and go off and, and see as many UFO concerts as possible.
0: Well, UFO, I think, I, I, what day is today? I think their last concert is like, it was this weekend in Greece, but they say it's their last concert. I'm not sure I quite believe it.
1: All right, so my thanks to Mark Madden. We'll have another edition of Madden Monday for you next week. You will hear from me next at St. Vincent College in Latrobe. We'll get more of the Steelers' lines and lines for other teams in the National Football League. Get you up to date on the Pirates series against the Cubs. And we'll talk some hockey as well with Brian Metzer of the Pittsburgh Penguins radio network. One last time before a summer respite for Metz, Then he gets back in the mix once the Penguins start the preseason. All that to come this week here in the Pittsburgh CityCast.